Hallelujah. So, last week we concluded a particular series we have been looking at, which has to do with what? Huh? It had to do with death. Hallelujah. Yeah, the certainty of death. So, we concluded it last week. Um, the two, in the two ways that we discussed that topic, we looked at the different sources of death, things that lays the foundation for um, death. You know that we, before we talk about that, we established the fact that death comes from what? Sin. Do you understand? And then we discuss sin in details, and we look at things that gives birth to sin, things that opens the door to sin. And there were three, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the what? The pride of life and then after that we looked at death properly establishing three types of deaths they were what and what the spiritual the physical and the what the eternal death the eternal death can also be called what second death where all the fearful the unbelieving alongside the host of darkness and Satan himself even death they will all have their portion in the world lake of fire burning with what brimstone and sulfur so we looked at that extensively then um on the fringe side we took a look at some um, some some of the things that constitute sin when temptation which we described as lost the three things i mentioned earlier is not properly taken care of it will lead to sin and we look at the different kinds of sin i gave us as assignment individually and i say that every week once i come up i will discuss one of them with you before going into what we have because they say knowledge is what power my book perish because of what they lack knowledge when you know what is not expected of you what you should not do you will not fall victim hallelujah good morning ma so that is what um we are going to be doing so last week, look at sedition who can remind me what is sedition Yes, any any speech. Yes, speech that is um made or any action that we make towards what inciting um rebellion, inciting people against the authorities. That is sedition. So, if you go back to your notes or to the recording of what we did last week, you will understand more what session is all about and in future we still touch it i said that it's going to be a topic on its own later so today i want to talk about effeminacy effeminacy rather is a shame that the person i gave it as an assignment is not here to tell us what it is now when you hear about effeminacy i like basically effeminacy has to do with a man do you understand having you know sound like a lady behaving like a lady you know um looking like a lady that is the primary meaning of effeminacy. But when the Bible is talking about effeminacy, especially when you look at that 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10, he's talking about what those that take passive role in homosexual relationship. You know, homosexual relationship has to do with two men. When two men, you know, they sleep with each other as a man and a woman will, will, will like, relate with each other. We all, you know, must have been taught sexual intercourse in our biology classes. So it's supposed to be an act between a man and a woman, two, two couples that are legally married, though. That is 
what you know God approves. Now, when two men are doing, and one is taking taking the place of a woman, that one taking the place of a woman is seen as a passive partner. He is that is what effeminacy. So when God says that the effeminate, the homosexual, they will not have a portion in his in, in his kingdom, he's referring to do two class of people. Now, extensively, effeminacy can also be likened to being delicate. When you have soft spot, when you are lukewarm, do you understand? When you see things, when things that should be seen are seen, you pamper it. That means you are effeminate. So effeminacy is a spirit that manifests in different ways. And there was a, 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 an article I wrote some time ago. I was saying something there that the devil has so much confused effeminacy that people are now beginning to what, embrace it. But the standard of God remains sure. He said that the effeminate and the homosexuals will not inherit his kingdom. Do you understand? So if you discern any spirit of effeminacy around you, when you see that you are beginning to have affection for the things that are perverse, for the things that are not in line with God's standard, you are under the influence of the spirit of effeminacy. And as many that are under such, the Lord is going to deliver in the name of Jesus. So let's go to our topic for today. We have talked about death, 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 death. Someone will be like, ah, am I, are we dying? Which one is this, uncle, please? So let's look at something new, okay? As I do tell us, um, there is always a progressive, there is always a continuation of everything. When you are in primary school, they taught you, a noun is the name of any person, animal, place, or thing. Is it not true? Example, blah, 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 blah. By the time you go to, get to secondary school, they will still teach you now. But they will teach you in an advanced form. They will not tell you that there is a proper noun, that is a common noun, that is abstract noun, the blah, blah, blah. And when you get to the university and you want to study, even if you don't have to study literature or English or mass communication or law to, you know, do English. Because everybody still does English when it comes to GST. So they will still teach you that noun. Do you understand? They will still teach you in a more advanced level. If you are talking about, um, in mathematics, we do fractions. Right from basic... Three, four is in their scheme. They start doing it progressively. They can just teach them um, one over five plus one over five is equal to two over five. And um, three over five minus two over five is equal to one. They just teach that, that basic. Do you understand? Hallelujah. 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 So what I am saying in essence is that when you are in basic three, basic four, basic five, you did fractions. And every time I do that, there's always something new they add to it. If you come to a time, then they'll begin to teach you addition of um, fractions with different denominators. Is it not true? That is a bit advanced. Maybe 1 over 2 plus 1 over 3. Do you understand? At some point, they will introduce mixed fraction into it. Do you understand? So at some point, they begin to teach you multiplication, division. It is not once. They, it is a progressive something. And those that are in university that studies mathematics as a core, there is also something about that same topic that you think they know that they will tell you, you will just open your mouth like this, eh? This one, inside fraction, that is how it is. So, for everything we do here, there is always an opportunity for you to top it up. So, when we bring it again in another fashion in future, don't be like, ah, but he has taught us before, it has been done. No. What did the Bible say? Is it that the word of God is new every word morning? Do you understand? So I needed to what I don't know why the Spirit of God asked me to clear that so that I don't know what might happen in the future. Now, today we'll be looking at a topic which we have previewed in time past. In the early days of this um, 
class, I remember um, teaching us a particular topic that has that that made me talk about things like regeneration, repentance, salvation. Can we remember? Yes. So this topic is like a pre a prequel to those teachings. So it will really help you to go back to your notes back then for you to understand some of the things I'll be saying here. Is that clear? So that's why you need to have proper to learn. If you want to go in life, consistency is key. You cannot come today and skip tomorrow, come today and skip tomorrow, come today. It is very, very what's dangerous. So uh, I, I like progressive things. I don't like, um, if I do this one today, I stop. I like following things up properly. Okay, it's like skincare. If I make it, if I say I want to improve my, my the condition of my skin, and maybe they tell me, okay, every night before you sleep, use hot water to wash your face. I do it today, do it tomorrow, then the other day, and the other day I stopped. And then after one week, I continued. You know, I can do that for one year, and yet nothing changes. But if I am consistent, every night I do it. Before one month, you look at me, you see something different. The same thing with voice training. If you train your voice today, and you, tomorrow you sleep, you will not train your voice. After one month, you come again. You start, uh, uh, uh. you do it, then you stop. You will never have results. You need to be consistent. So it's all, all the reason why I had to, you know, try to say that I'm following up and doing teaching people that I'm following, that I'm follow up, so that it will not be a case of you stop here and then the next thing you are, you are seeing there is no connection between it. Do you understand? So please, everything we are doing is a progressive learning. That's what they call it series. And it is all geared towards was having you grow to become mature and strong Christians. Hallelujah. Now, the topic we'll be looking at this morning is being born again. Everybody say it. Being born again. Being born again. Yes. We have spoke, spoke so much about death, about sin. So we're now keep trying to look at the remedy, the solution, the way out. We spoke so much about death, and we explain a different kind of death according to scriptures. And who would want to be a victim? You want to be a participant of the second death, of eternal death? Let me see your hands up. So, if you don't want to die, then you must what? Live. Yes, Christ said in His Word that He came that we may have life in what abundance, because the opposite of death is life. So, our topic is what being born again. You can. Also, you know, liking it to new birth, salvation, redemption, and as I said earlier, regeneration. Hallelujah. Now, being born again or to experience the new birth is a phrase that refers to spiritual rebirth. Is a phrase. Where's your notes? I already stand up. I promised you last week that if I say Bible notes and pen. I even reported you to yesterday that you that you make sure that his children come to church with she writing material and so why are you not writing? You are listening. As I listen to you, putting it down. Bible says you should put it down because you can hear every time saying I'm going to grab some things and later when you go through your notes, you now begin to say, eh, so this is what this man was saying the other day. So it is important for you to write. Me that I'm I, I know I cannot be writing what I'm saying now and I'm recording it. There's a purpose for that. So you should what? Put down your um, jot down things, have jotters, have um, diaries, very, very important. Junior, where is no Bible, no nothing, nothing. They're just looking at us. 
Where is your daughter? You should learn to have a daughter. It's very, very important. Beyond these um, our teachings, have a daughter. Always have a daughter handy. There are some things that will be happening. Do you understand? And your savior will be the father that you put some things down. Because the Lord has given you the grace, so you can. They say, to whom much is given, much is expected. You should not stand. Life is in different pillars. Do you understand? You should not. You, you should, I know. It's part of the teachings. So you should not um, sacrifice one for the other. Do you understand? You should not stand. So let's stand. Come with it. All right. So I was saying something that being born again is an experience of new birth. It is a phrase that refers to spiritual rebirth. Spiritual what? Why do we say it's a phrase? Who can tell us? We say it is a phrase. It is a phrase that refers to spiritual rebirth. Why do we say being born again is a phrase? Who can tell us? A phrase, you know, is a group of words. A phrase. So, so the being born again, you can see, it's not just a word; it's a phrase. So, I, if you say it's a word, you are making it a phrase that refers to spiritual rebirth or regeneration of the human spirit. Regeneration of, of the human spirit by the Holy Spirit. Regeneration of the human spirit, that is your own spirit as a man, by the Holy Spirit. And it is in contrast to physical death. So, this being born again is different from being the physical birth where your mother carried you in her womb and then she put it to you, um, she, you came out. Do you understand? This one is what a spiritual rebirth. Do you understand? It's something that is done, and an experience that happens spiritually. Is that understood? Do you understand what I'm trying to explain? Or I should come again? Hmm? I said I've been born again, or to experience a new birth. You know that when I was introducing, in the epilogue, I explained that you can also liken it to what? Regeneration, to new birth, to salvation, redemption, and all. So it can also be seen as an experience of new birth. So when someone asks you, have you experienced new birth? The person is asking you if you have actually been born again, if you have given your life to Christ. So it is a phrase that refers to spiritual regret or regeneration of the human spirit. Regeneration to transform by the word Holy Spirit. So it's not regeneration of your spirit for regeneration's sake, but by the help of the word Holy Ghost. And it is different or in contrast to our physical birth. Now, this term was derived from the Gospel of John in, an, in a conversation where, Jesus, where um, um, Nicodemus, a, a certain Jewish leader, did not understand what Jesus Christ was saying. And we'll be looking at that particular scripture. John chapter 3, let's start from verse 1. So everyone open your Bible. John chapter 3, we want to look at the origin of this particular phrase. So everything that um, we say or do, every word, every phrase has its beginning. It has its foundation. It has somewhere it stems from. So this um, issue, this phrase, being born again, started from somewhere. And where did it start? It started from an exchange, a verbal exchange 
between who? Between Jesus and a certain man known as who? Nicodemus. So Jesus said something to him, and one of those things was being born again. So this particular expression was taken from that event. So can someone stand up and read for us verse 1 alone? We'll be taking it at each other. John chapter 3, verse 1. We will read it. Stand up. We read it down to like verse 6 and 7. Speak out. Once you are done with chapter 1, you stop. I explain you go to chapter 1 and like relax you. So, chapter 1, read. Verse 1. Mm-hmm. Yes, a ruler of it. When they say, um, so this this particular verse was introducing us to the words, to the personality of Nicodemus, who Nicodemus was. It's like if I should say there was already a daughter to someone, someone, someone. She is that is like that. If you want to describe me too, there was Mr. Stewart. She is. Like that, that's how it was. So they, in, in, the device was introducing to us who Nicodemus was. So Nicodemus was a man of was a Messiah. He was a lawmaker, and just like many people are close to power, occupy lofty position in churches, yet far from salvation. So this man came to Jesus, and from the um, from the aftermath, as we continue to read, you will see why why he came. And there are many of us like him. Do you understand? We are influential, we are powerful, we hold key positions, even in religious organizations like the church, but yet we are far from salvation. We are far from redemption, we are far from the truth, we are far from God. Yes, that is why you need to take this teaching experience very, very well serious. So you not be like Nicodemus, someone that is highly positioned, someone that many look up to, yet lacking something very vital in his own life. Now, this, um, this story is going to teach us the fact that there is a difference between religion and redemption. What did I say? There is a difference between what? Religion and redemption. Yes, because we saw from this scripture that this man was what? He was a, a, a religious elite. He was someone that occupied a very, very high position in the synagogue. The Bible said he was a lawmaker, he was a Pharisee. So, if they ask you what is um, the difference between religion and um, redemption, is there anyone that can try? From our teaching um, on repentance, redemption, and regeneration, can you just you know, bring out something that you can say? Religion. Mm-hmm. Okay. A Christian can be Saved. So, religion is when you are really saved. Mm-hmm. Saved. We are saved in what you believe. That's our religion. Thank you. Good point. Clap for her. So, from what she's saying, 
we can understand that religion is characterized by activity, identifying with a particular body, right? But redemption has to be do with what with you being saved, with you being saved, with you being rescued from the jaws of what sin and what destruction. Now, for us to understand this particular experience very well, for us to understand to you know them like distinguish properly the differences between religion and redemption, I want us to open our Bibles. See, madam, see that that John chapter three. We are still there, so don't forget. Galatians chapter one, verse thirteen to fourteen. We are still on verse one. So in that verse one, we are breaking it down. Do you understand? And one of the things that we can bring out there is that what there is a difference between religion and redemption. So we want to now look at in details what is religion, what is redemption. So someone has shown for us the book of Galatians, chapter one. Let's read the thirteen and fourteen. Then from there I, I explain it. We move on. In time past, in the Jews' religion. In the ah, Jews' what? Religion. Emphasis. Jews' religion. Okay. How that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God. I always thank you. Yes. Yes. Who was wait before she comes? Who was speaking in this particular place? Paul was speaking. Paul before you know this was something he did before he was converted. He was saw that persecuted Christians after his encounter with Christ, his name was transformed to Paul. So he was saying something here. Okay. And profited in the Jews' religion above above many my equals in my own my own nation. Look into your Bible. Mm-hmm. Continue. Being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. Thank you. That's Sit down. So you can see there, he, he, he summarized that he was being what? Zealous. He was being what? Zealous. So when you, when you want to understand, if you want to understand the story of Paul very well, you go back, when you get to read the book of Acts of the Apostles, chapter 9, you read it there, and you will see something about this man called Paul, that he was a very famous and a very religious what, person. What made him religious was his zeal. When you are religious, you are very zealous. Do you understand? You see, a religious man will come here, he will carry all the chairs, he will do all the sweeping, he will do all the, he will be very, very zealous. That is what characterized what religiosity. For instance, when Jesus Christ came to um, Mary and Martha, where before he um, raised or restored Lazarus back to life, there was something that happened there. Martha was so busy, you know, trying to get food, to do this and do that. And Mary was human. She, she sat at the feet of the master and was hearing his word. And mother was, was like, uh-uh, Master, tell this to my sister to come and help me now. I'm told you not the work. And Jesus told her well, that the important one is what, what your sister is doing. Do you understand? So religiosity is characterized by your effort, your zeal, what I can do. Do you understand? But um, but redemption is more about what Jesus can do. So Paul can be said, or rather Saul can be said to be the most religious and the most zealous man in the world history. So if you look at from verse 4 to 6 of that scripture, that aspect of chapter 9, verse um, chapter, chapter 9, verse 4 to 6, you will see there he was describing him, how he went about persecuting Christians. In fact, his day of encounter was um, on a journey to Damascus, and he was going to also what? Persecute the Christians. However, the Holy Spirit imparted Paul. 
And this Paul made Paul spiritually alive. Remember that Jesus Christ came to him and said, I am Jesus who you persecuted. And then what happened? He was made blind. He was blind and for three days he did not see until the Spirit of God sent forth a man called Ananias to come and pray for him. Do you understand? So, this man was not made alive. That is what he called being born again. He was spiritually dead. Not physically because in, in the world he was active. Do you understand? So that means that activity is different from what productivity. You can actually be active. You can be up and doing. People might look at you and be giving you thumbs up. That is in the eyes of men. But before God, what you are doing is what's meaningless. So all that Paul was doing, or rather Saul was doing, he was what, thinking he was serving God. He was thinking he was pleasing God. He thought that what he was doing was desirous. That is it. He was not persecuting Christians because he's of the devil. He believed that the Christians were teaching things or behaving in ways that was contradictory to the word, the laws that God had given through who? Moses. God bless you. So, he was, he's like now, um, as a Christian that I am, I am so, if I'm a religious Christian, I'll be fighting. If I see a Muslim, I'll be like, I don't want to have anything to do with them. I will condemn them completely. If I see anyone that is not believing or serving God the way I think it should be, do you understand? I will write a person. I'll say, this, this one is, so it's fine. This is a write-off. I don't want to have anything to do. That is, that is the kind of thing that was happening in the life of what Paul back then. But through the Holy Spirit, Remember that when we, are, when we are defining being born again, we say that it is the regeneration of the human spirit by what? By the Holy Spirit. So it was the Holy Spirit that made Paul alive. So now this experience, this experience or, or encounter he had with Jesus made him speak so much about God. Because of what happened in the life of Saul, because of the conviction he had, he spoke. When he speaks, he speaks with passion. Do you understand? He, he, um, there was some um, yesterday when we were here. There was a prayer that we usually have for men, and one of the men that led us was saying something that for everyone that has had an encounter with God, everyone that God has showed Himself, there is a particular name they give to God. There is a particular um, way they describe God. So the experience of Paul made Paul to be, you know, his message was defined by his encounter. So when he's speaking. Uh, about God, you understand, and about God caring for sinners, he knew what he said because he was on his way to destruction, and God directed his focus. Do you understand? So, in this particular Galatians, what was not happening there? There were certain people. There were certain people that wanted to start raising Christians the same way that. Saul was raised as a Pharisee. They wanted to start raising them to become what? Religious zealots. I said that if I'm a religious Christian, what will I do? I will see everybody that does not believe or does see things the way I see as a poison, as a hypocrite, as a sinner, as a transgressor. I will, not, I will condemn them publicly and secretly. And remember that the Bible says something in the book of Jude chapter 4 that there are uncertain men, ungodly men, that have been ordained for what? Condemnation. And I told you that what well, God has not called us to condemnation, but to what? Creation. So even if someone does not see things the way I see, it is in my place to do what? To reconcile that person, to show the person the light, not to condemn the person, not to judge. He said that we should not what? Judge. In the book of Jude chapter 4, verse 11, it was saying to me that if you are judging your brother, you are not a doer of the law, you are a what? A judge. So, if you are a religious person, you will think that you are so good and other people are what? 
bad. So that was what was happening in the church in Galatians. The, 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 there were certain people there. They were trying to raise young believers to, you know, to be zealous, just to serve God out of zeal. To want to impart that same spirit of religiosity into them. And Paul, being an apostle and a leader in the body of Christ, you know, raised his voice and said, "No, this cannot happen." That was why he wrote that Galatians chapter one. So you can, if you now go back. To that 13 and 14 you now understand where he's coming for the main reason what he was saying so please my brothers and my sisters even if um this is um the last thing i i get you get to learn today don't be a religious christian the reason why nigeria is something today to be too because we have so many religious people there are many churches everywhere. I, can, I cannot count the number of churches on this street alone. But yet, iniquity, immorality, jealousy, envy, reviling, everything is still rising. Why? Because of what the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit is not in charge. What is in charge is the peace of religion. And religious spirits are so many. There are Jezebelian spirits. They are there. There are marine spirits. They are there. Do you understand? Ashra. Belzebub, Mammon, all the spirits, they are what enter people, they are what instigates them, to amaze them to be proud, to be arrogant, to see other people as what never do wells. And then them themselves, they are the one, the glorified one. So when you begin to, when you come to a religious circle, where a place where people are supposed to call the name of the Lord, and you see, you don't see that God that you are gathered to worship as the number one, but you are seeing yourself as the number one. The spirit of religion is at work. I am taking my time to discuss all these things so that for some of us, this is the to for the first time. So when you should be careful, when you begin to sense this kind of thing manifesting you, you begin to pray. If you can speak in tongues, begin to speak in tongues, begin to curse it. If you cannot, you're going to pray. Pray for them because that is how it starts. If the devil can get you to be religious, he has finished you. Because the religious man, when you are telling him that this is not how it is, we say, hey, do you know who I am? I am the prime minister of my church. I am the prayer leader of my church. I am a pastor. I am a, who are you? That is the spirit of religion. And that is what these people wanted to impart into the life of believers in, the, in Galatians that made Paul to say no. So, Paul was very passionate in writing to these people because after me kissing Jesus, some false teachers, as I said, were trying to get new Christians to become the same kind of religious zealots that Paul has been before he was saved by Jesus. So, quickly, let us now look at more detail. I've already said some of them. The deep contrast between um, religion and redemption. Remember, I, the, 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 the reason why we came here was that we, we established that there is a difference between what and what religion and redemption. Looking at the, the position of who? Nicodemus. Only she is in my class. Only one person is in my class. All the others are just looking at him. Is it not true? I'm looking at him. I'm looking at time. Anyway, what the Bible say? It says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything will be what? So, I tell you, if when I was your age, when I was in my 17 down, I had someone that, you know, have gone ahead of me, a lead to self, and is ready to help me. I'm not where I am today. Honestly speaking, the reason why it looks as if I am still on this level, looking at my exposures and my talent and everything, is because I struggle. I have a lot, I spend a lot of time, a, a, a long period of my life struggling. 
And God have allowed me to struggle, to do that stuff, so that those coming behind me will not say go through that. So you don't know the freedom, you don't know the, 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 the thing you are enjoying. They say you never know what you have until you lose it. So some of you that have come to this place and you think that what they are doing is just ceremony. I'm sorry for you. What they are doing here is really, really serious. God is trying to bring out something great from amongst you. And for me, it's a very big privilege, it's a honor for me to be a vessel to be used to bring these dreams to reality. So please, when you come here, you should be expected, you should be serious. Do you understand? You do not just come here because it's just for coming sake. Please, if you have, if you are coming to church and you are coming to just come and let them see you and just come and have fun and meet your friends, fine and good. When, when during my section, be serious. Know that we are dealing with the Spirit of God. God is trying to impact life. When I'm done with my session, if you want to go back to your old self, that is your business. I don't tell you to do that anyways. Okay? So, the first thing you need to know is that in redemption, Jesus is the focus. When you see any man that gives God glory for everything, you tell him, ah, you are looking good. Glory to Jesus. You did so well, thank God. I really appreciate what you did for me. The Lord's name be praised. That is a man that has been what? That has been redeemed. Been redeemed. A redeemed man focuses on Jesus and Jesus alone. Even Christ was saying that I should know him and the, what, the power of what resurrection. The only thing that Paul was focused on was Jesus. Nothing else. Everything counted as not to him. Everything was null and void. So when you are someone that has been redeemed in truth and in spirit, you focus on Jesus alone. Everything comes after him. But when you are someone that is religious, you are the focus. A religious man is always like I, 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 I alone. So in religiosity, I am the focus. But in redemption, Jesus is the focus. So, you come to church and um, you are looking at maybe how they see me, how they look at me, my position, the way they talk to me. That is what religion at work. It is not longer redemption. Because if it is redemption, your focus will be on Jesus. This thing, at this moment, what will be done, that Christ will be glorified. Not what will be done, that what men will feel pleased. So, religion is far, far, far different from Redemption. That is first point. Now, in the second um, second point is that when it comes to um, redemption, the accounts of Jesus's sinless life, his death and resurrection is our hope. Well, in redemption, our hope is based on the account of Jesus's sinless life, his death and resurrection. Hmm? Do you understand? Account of Jesus' sinless life. His death. Resurrection. That is our hope. But when it comes to religion, our hope is based on what? Our own suffering. Our good works. Our sacrifice. Our obedience. CEO, get this right. No, I'm, I'm a preacher of balance. I like being balanced. I'm not so that is extremist. Now, I will not tell you that it's a sin that when, we, when you are praying, you tell God that God, look at me. 
and I have been serving you. Eh? I have been serving you in the church. I'm I'm the choir. In the church, I'm the usher. In the church, I'm the I'm the youth coordinator. I'm the school teacher. I do this. Father, I've been serving you with my time. I don't I don't I deny myself so many things. I don't go to places that I will enjoy myself because I am called your own. Do you understand? Father, why is this in my life? Please look at look at me with I know it's a bad thing. Do you understand? What I'm talking about that when I said that our suffering, our good work, our sacrifices becomes our hope, is that you don't you, you, you believe that you are being saved. You believe that the reason why you will get to heaven, the reason why you will enter the kingdom of God is because of your works. Because you come to church, you run up and down. You now think that ah, in the register of God, you're number one is a lie. There are some people that might not even be that, that in the church, they might not look as active as you are. On the day that the Lord will come, it will shock you that those ones will be the first that we meet. And they will see you that you are this run up and down. Because God weighs not the ways of man. The Bible says that what He looks at our hearts, not at our faces. Do you understand? So, if your hope in life is based on your own effort, not what on what Jesus has um, accomplished. You are not what redeemed. So a redeemed man is that man that recognizes, that believes, that stands on the account of Jesus' sinless life. His death, his resurrection, everything that Christ accomplished is what and causes life. That is a man that is redeemed. Number three, a redeemed man must be humble. He must be what? Yes, humility. To receive salvation as a gift from God. Humble. If you are not humble, forget it. You are not redeemed of the Lord. What is the opposite of humility? Right. You said that. Yeah, clap for her. So, a man that is redeemed is what is humble. But a religious man grows proud increasingly. A religious man is always proud. Do you understand? As he, everybody he looks at his accomplishments. Do you understand? Uh, there was a time I was um, in a particular church. I don't mention the name of the church. So, at um, that time, we were in New Believers class. So, we come there. There was this particular teacher. I love what she teaches us. You know, I have been, I have been, I have, no, I just went there, something happened and I was relocated, I went to the church, so they, they say new timer, I came out, I came out, so in their church, if you're a new timer, they will assume that you're not giving your life to Christ, so they will start to join their new believers class, so, and they do it after service, so I was like, they you not know, be as if I'm showing up, I was attending, so most of you they were teaching, I was seeing that when you know, but I would still sit down humbly and I'm listening to them, you know, would God be boasting to us. Ah, hey, when my friend and my friend they be jealous of me because I am now the um whether you should say assistant pastor, I'll be uh, the, this one. She don't she will mention all her compliments in the church that she have done this, she did this, she did that, and then when her friends have she will tell her, hey, you see me that say that you should not be active, you see me that say you should sit down. Ah, please, oh, you know, I was looking at her, I was just my sister was just telling me what was happening. We just spirit. Religious spirit, Jezebelian power was influencing her, and she thinks it's the Holy Spirit. And before long, the Spirit of God told me to stay in that church for some time that I will see where this woman is going to end. And the story was not palliative. Do you understand? 
you just imagine someone that um you 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 have so many people that can help you around people that can help you people that through them you will move to the next level but they are not ready to help you because of what certain things are in operation in your life part of which is what pride and i discussed it last, last week pride of life and so many people they brag about it they own it and they think it is what it is something that god created me to have to be to, to be part of them but it is not and he was saying something during one of the teachings he was talking about strange spirits he was saying something that our body is just like a house and there are different spirits you yourself as a moment you know you are talking about spirits say that it is what your when your spirit as human spirit is being regenerated by the holy spirit so as a human you have your own spirit so you yourself, yourself do you understand there are other spirits that are not yourself that are competing for space in your body do you understand so those spirits if you accommodate them, you feel like, yes, they are the spirit that will bring anger. They are the spirit that will bring what? Um, lustfulness. They are the spirit that will be seductions. They are the spirit that will, be, that will be lying. Now, when you accept them and say, it is who I am, me, I know this is a you. Some people in this world, now, devil have washed their brain. They will not say it's a weakness. I know my weakness. What is my weakness? My weakness is what? Lying. My weakness is that a woman cannot dress well and pass me. It's a weakness. It's a lie. It's not a weakness. You just accepted a strange spirit into yourself. You are standing from that God did not create. When the Bible says, that anything my God in all plant should be rooted out, and you are saying that anything that God in all plant should be established. So you should be very, very careful. The beginning of all these things is religiosity. It is the spirit of religion that the devil has used to so much cripple the house of God. You come to the church, you will see people, they are so concentrated about form and style. I was telling us something the other day about Christian that I was Christian by name, Christian by form. Christians are not Christian by what the spirits and truth. So such Christians are the ones we can describe as what religious Christians or religious zealots. Then finally, the grace of God makes you a person increasingly more like Jesus. When you are redeemed, the grace of God continues to work on you. This morning we were having a prayer here. And the man of God was asked, I was very busy, you know, God have mercy on me, you know, putting things in place for the, because of the media and everything. So I came, I came in very late, but I came in a very significant time. And the man of God said something that if you have been in this church, you know, I asked a question last week, if you have been coming for this um, um, teaching, if you have been following it, what has been the changes? So he, he asked it, <laughs> and people did not raise their hand. I wanted to raise my hand, though, because, yes, there has been changes. There are some things that I know that even some last week I I will do them, but today I don't. I won't do it again. Do you understand? But I would say that since the day I came to this church till today, I'm now a perfect man in that everything about me is now balanced. There are still some things that I'm still believing God to touch. So if I if they say um yeah, and I, if they ask that kind of question and I keep quiet, it means that what? I'm telling myself I'm now okay, I'm comfortable. Don't have to raise my hand. So uh, the lady that was beside me, that was when I was telling her, I said, I will get up. The lady that was I said that I should, I should not be. Maybe she said that if I raise my hand, people feel that I saw her, that it is a gradual process. So that word, gradual process, was not wrong with the spirit of God. You know, I told you something that I am someone that when I move with people, I can be playing with this lady, we can be joking. But immediately the spirit of God, the grace of God in her life begins to manifest, I will know. So it's not about how I see you. So I knew that that thing she said, it was the spirit of God that spoke through her. And I captured it. Do you understand? He said it's a gradual. Now look at this thing. When you give your life to Christ, when you are redeemed, 
there is what a continuous work upon your life by the word Holy Spirit. So it is not because you have given your life to Christ, you have confessed Christ, then you are then everything is over. It's a lie. That is what the devil is to deceive people. Then I won't say forever say, but that doesn't mean it's a lie. Once you keep everything like you walk out as salvation with fear and trembling. So even though you have given your life to Christ, there is still a need for you to pray. Because some of those things that you are doing before that you want to stop will still be there. If you are someone that sleeps around, if you are someone that lies, the temptation will still become even if I start saying you have given your life to Christ. So it is true that grace of God, little by little, you will be walking as you submit yourself to Him daily, every period, every now and then. Do you understand? Submit yourself to reading your, your Bible, you read the scriptures, you, you, you meditate on it, you pray, you understand, you fast, you begin to see that little by little, those things begin to fade away. So it is what by the grace of God. Why do we say grace? It's because we have no power over it. Anything that has to do with grace is completely coming from where? From God Himself. But in religion, what happens? In religion, pride makes you worse a worse person. You become increasingly unlike Jesus. Do you understand? You become what? You become what? Increasingly unlike Jesus. But in redemption, you keep Bible says the path of the just shining brighter and brighter until the perfect day. So you keep, you know, reflecting his glory as you stay with him in the place of studying the word, in the place of prayer. Do you understand? You keep beholding his glory and you literally begin to transform. You keep transforming from level to level until you are revealed, until Christ is revealed in you completely. That is redemption. Are you understanding what I'm saying? But in religion, your pride continues to make you worse. And you will not be anything close to Jesus. Because a man that is ruled by pride, what is the motivation for that man? The motivation is what? Power. The motivation is what? Dominion. The motivation is what? Recognition. Fame. These are the things that drive a man that is being ruled by religion. But in redemption, the motivation is what? Service. Service. Do you understand? Worship. Worship to God, service to God, do you understand? Being part in the life of other people. So when you are redeemed, you are thinking about, ah, this is my sister, she's not being saved. This is my sister, her life is. Ah. You are thinking about how will you help her. You will see yourself always praying for her. If she's not someone, if Bura um, is not someone I can easily come to and tell her that Bura, this thing and this thing you are doing is not okay. Uh, but because of the Spirit of God is in me and I'm not happy with what I'm seeing, what will I be doing? In my secret place, I'll be praying for her. And God can somehow orchestrate the world, the path of someone that will speak to her. Do you realize by being here today is more by being that someone somewhere have prayed? Someone somewhere could have been praying that God, these children, you no know, pray, just pray some kind of prayer, and God begins to move where I was, begin to cause commotion, do everything, do everything, blah, blah 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 blah, and I find myself here today. It is possible, and here I am delivering the word of God to you. So the same thing with you. When you have the Spirit of God, your motivation, everything you are doing, I told you that before you do anything, ask yourself, what is the motivation? Why am I doing this? It is what, because the focus is on Christ. You are doing what you are doing to know that for Christ to be pleased. Do you understand? Not because of what your own ambition, not because you want recognition. So, the religious man will end up being worse off, being unlike Jesus in every way. But the redeemed man at the end of the day will be like who? Be like who? 
it be like a redeemed man at the end of the year we end up being like like Jesus so what am I saying with all this explanation religion cannot give you the experience of being born again encounter with God is needed and that encounter is what Nicodemus fetched so let's go to verse 2 of that scripture to now see the encounter he had okay continue the same man came to Jesus by night Rabbi. Yes. So, Jesus, he came to Jesus by when? By night. He did not want people to identify him with Christ. That was why he came by night. Remember that this man was a lawmaker, he was a Pharisee, he's like, um, Maybe I, as I'm come to this church, do you understand? I might not want people to start again. People are seeing that I'm, this is my church. Then tomorrow, they'll start seeing me maybe in Kerebun and start that thing. Or see me other. You know, people, they will just say that this one is not serious. They don't know what he's doing. Do you understand? What do we call those kind of people today? We call them prostitutes, church prostitutes. So this man has a religion. He has. A, a, a belief system. He has a structure, an organization he belongs to. And he did not want to do what? He did not want people to now begin to look at him as soon as I was biased. That was why he went and because people should see him during the day. There are chances they begin to ask questions. Uh-uh. Is he not our chief priest? What is he doing with this man? Do you understand? And his fame, his position, all those things he enjoyed, they meant so much to him. And he never wanted to lose or compromise them. That was why he chose to go to Jesus Christ by when? By night. Now, mind you, going to Jesus in the secret is not a problem. It's not a problem. It's not, it's not every time I want to have an encounter with God, I come out in public so I go to see. Do you understand? That is not a problem. What actually matters is your what motive. As I say, is your what? Yes. So you can choose to go to God in private. You know, you want to pray. You lock your doors. You don't want people to know that you are praying. And you want to do anything. You do it secretly. Fine. No problem about that. What matters is your secret. But you should be able to draw the line. You know, we are talking about balance, 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 and balance. You should be able to draw your line to know when you are doing things because you are ashamed of Christ. There are things we do, not because we don't want people to know or because we want to look holy, but because we are ashamed of Jesus. They say, come to evangelism. Now, because of my shame, I don't want people to look at me in my ear and say, hi, he's only he's a churchy, churchy person. Do you understand? I don't want my friends. I don't want to post on my, I have a friend. When you tell him to about something uh, on social media, I don't want to post anything about you know, Christianity over there. I don't want people to think I'm a religious fanatic. No, 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 no. If it's politics, he can comment. But when it comes to religion, no, no, he can discuss privately with you. And if you discuss with him privately, you know that he's, he's intellectually sound and he's spiritual. But he doesn't like, maybe you come to his Facebook status or you come to his water status or you come to his feet and you see, repent, kingdom of God is at hand or he's telling God's problem. You don't, he doesn't do that. He said, no, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want people to see me some way. So, and um, his act might be good, but his action is what? His intentions are not very well balanced so when you are doing things because you are ashamed of jesus there is a problem so this man did not want people to know that he was an that event by night so by three 
So he said to him, very, very, said, except a man be what born again. So you cannot see where this word, being born, this phrase rather, came from. So we have gotten to that place. So he asked the question. Can you go back to verse 2? Let us see the question he asked Jesus. That means it's answer him that way. The same came to Jesus by night uh-huh. and said unto him, uh-huh. Rabbi, Rabbi, we know that thou art the teacher come from God. Okay. For no man doeth do this thing, doeth this miracle that thou doeth, okay. except God be with you. Okay. Jesus and said unto him. So Jesus was responding to uh, a compliment. Do you understand? He was telling Jesus that we know as someone that the Spirit of God is with. So Jesus will now explain to him the condition for that same Spirit of God to be operating on you. So if you want to do this, see the same work that Jesus Christ did. I remember a song that I used to sing um, when I was much younger. I want to be like Jesus Christ. I want to do what Jesus Christ did. I want to be like Jesus Christ. I want to be like him. I want to be like Jesus Christ. I want to see what Jesus Christ saw. I want to be like Jesus Christ. I want to be like him. So the I sang it, someone was like asking me, guys, do you really want to be like Jesus? You want to see what Jesus Christ saw? I was like, yes. You know, I was a child then. I was, I, he said, do you want to be where Jesus Christ is? Uh-uh. I say, well, I want to be insulted. I want it. Do you want to have what Jesus Christ have? I say, yes. I. He now began to tell me some of the mysteries about what Jesus Christ saw, where he is, where he came and everything. I started thinking twice. This song I'm singing. I'm actually blessing myself or crossing myself. Do you understand? So Jesus was explaining to Nicodemus that, fine, you want to do what I'm doing. Yes, you want to have the Spirit of God in you, then there is a condition. So from that verse 3, we can see that as sinners cannot see God's kingdom. As I told us last week, Using the book, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 to 10. Many are in a lifestyle that will lead them from where? From church to hell. So many of us are in church, too. Because as I said earlier, because of religiosity, heaven is far. You know that even some you know that there is no heaven for them. They just say, I'm going to heaven. Because in their mind, you know that it's hellfire they are going to. Because of their watch, their lifestyle. So, all are seen, all can be saved, changed, and um, be born anew through what? Now, all can be saved and all can be changed. Do you understand? Because we all know that we have all sinned. The Bible says that through one man, eight and sin, another world. So, all of us have sinned. All of us can be also be what? Can also be saved. Do you understand? Through what? Jesus. Now, from this verse 3, there was a key thing. All this I've been saying is just a transition. The key takeaway from that verse 3 that we must run again is the fact that what change of heart because demon again has to do with the renewal of your spirit and your spirit can be is akin to your what to your heart change of heart and being born anew is the foundation of Christianity the foundation of Christianity somebody asks you are you a Christian and you say hey, you are thinking of what to answer is because you are not sure if your heart has been changed. You are not sure if you have been born anew. Do you understand? A man that is being born anew, a man whose heart has been changed, is a man that can be called Christian. Because today a Christian is the reward Christ-like. So that is that.
Now, verse 4. Now, before you go to verse 4, I want to say something. You know what I'm talking about rejoicing? I said it, so I want to emphasize. I don't want to emphasize it. When you see religious people, please don't mock them. Do you understand? Some of us, there are many Christians that have now become a more a richer than the witches. Is anyone that has said their own witchery, their own witchcraft is more than those that drink blood at night? The Spirit of God, the Bible was saying that there are so many people that turn the grace of God towards lasciviousness. Look at Jude chapter 4 and you see. These people are ungodly. Yeah, welcome. So, what? Hmm? Jude, Jude chapter 4. Jude. So, Jude is only one, um, one chapter. So, they're talking about the ungodly men. So those ones, they turn the grace of God to lasciviousness. So I'm talking about witches in the church. We have witches in the church. People that God have anointed, have given his spirit, but they're using it for evil. So when you see somebody, you know that sometimes people like prophets are often those that are caused problems in the church. People that have revelation, they will look at you. They will see something. Now, the way they will go about it, you will feel, ah, what is, what is he feeling like? Do you understand? So when you see someone who you know or you feel is religious, the best thing to do is to want to pray for them. You know, if you know that when you preach them that they will not they will misunderstand you, you pray for them, I say, keep praying for them in secret. And when you are preaching or praying for them, anything you are doing should be geared towards them receiving divine encounter. So you walk towards helping them encounter God the way that Nicodemus encountered Jesus, the way that Paul, the apostle, encountered Jesus. It is not to mock them. You just go and look at and say, look at you, religiosity. They're not even spiritual. You are, you are, you are, when I'm talking, you are talking. Are we the same level? We are not, not, not mates. They will tell you that we are not grace mates, that we can age mates, we are not grace mates. They will tell you that. You start hearing things like, ah, look at you. They will speak in universal. That is not what Christians should do. When God, some of you that I say, as I do tell you, you will go so far, God will so anoint you and empower you to do great and mighty things. Don't let it enter your head. Even if you are walking the streets and people are falling under the anointing, even if when you speak, healing is happening, do you understand? Even when you stand, Demons are crying out. Let pride not what coming. Don't now begin to look at people as if they are lesser of a human being. So please and please and please, when God reveals some things for you, it is made for you to do business with it. In the place of what? Prayer. In the place of what? Prayer. Do more praying than complaining. Tell your neighbor, do more praying than complaining. Nigeria is not good. Nigeria is not good. As a person, have you prayed for Nigeria? My parents, this one, my friend, that one, have you prayed for your parents? My brother, this, my sister, this, have you prayed for your brother and your sister? My teacher, this, my teacher, that, have you prayed for that teacher? Hey, this is my friend, I don't, blah, 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 blah. have you prayed for that, your friend? So, do more praying than complaining. And my prayer for you is that the Lord will release upon you the spirit of prayer. You will want to rise to become men and women that depend on their news, not on their words, mouth. Hallelujah. Verse 4, please, quickly. How can a man be born when he is old? Wow. And he entered second time into his mother's womb and be born. So, 
Because Jesus has said you must be born again, so he don't understand. He don't understand. He, he, he knew, so he, he knew that his Christ was not saying that um, he should enter his own house and come out. Too. But, you know, the, the, the interpretation, because that being born is a deep misery. I wish I had the time to break it down for us. You know, the man have looked at you, this thing that this man is saying, is it possible? It was what Christ was saying, you know, figuratively, because we have, everything we say have two meanings. We have what they call the literal meaning, that is the English, if you want to give it the dictionary, that's the literal. Then we have the figurative, that is what, the deep, the behind, the undertone, which you often, on to have some kind of secret code, you might not understand. That's a kind of proverb they will use for you now, like this, eh? You will spend three days trying to break it down. Do you understand? That is what happened in this particular place. So, what Jesus Christ was trying to explain to this man was so deep. Because Christ was telling him in practice that what your religiosity, your efforts, your works, your, your, your good works cannot what, save you. That what will save you is who? Is me. And for you to follow me, you must what, forget every other thing. Remember, there was a rich man that came to Jesus at one point. And the rich man, the rich man was telling Jesus Christ that, ah, God, I am faithful. I am devoted. I do this and do that. And Christ told him that he should go and sell everything he has and then come back and follow him. The man left. He was not happy. You know, because of what? He has so much. So when Christ is telling you, you must, what he's saying in practice is that everything you once held there, everything you once hold in high esteem, if you want to follow me, you must drop it. And then start on a clean word slate. The Bible asks you a question. I think in the book of Psalm chapter 110, I think, either verse 3 or so. So it was saying that if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? It's a question I want us to answer. If the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Huh? Who can try? Well, for me, if the foundation be destroyed, the righteous will what start afresh. If the foundation be destroyed, you start afresh, you go back. You start. Don't be afraid of that from the beginning. Do you understand? Never you be afraid. If you do something and you see that it's not working, you quickly, the earlier you start rebuilding, the better for you. So, in this verse 4, we saw that we must live a clean life. Birth is the beginning of life. I'm saying something new. Death is the beginning of life. To be born again is to begin anew. As I've explained, we must not think that to patch our old building, but we must begin from the foundation. You understand? As I said earlier, if you have a building, a building that is not okay, a building that is not well constructed, a building that is faulty, a building that is already cracking up. Do you understand? And you think that the way to correct it is by patching it. On the long run, the building will stick with us. So if the foundation of your redemption is not okay, do you understand? And you think that you can manage it. You don't manage, you don't manage your um, salvation. I said something. Um, when I was, um, there was something I was discussing with us. Yes, remorse. Remorse and repentance. I was telling you that when it comes to remorse, what happens? You try to manage the consequences. Okay, I have done this. You know, to this. Oh, this thing is. Uh, so you, you are not trying to manage it, manage the consequences. But when it comes to repentance, you don't manage. You turn away completely. 
Do you understand? You decide that this thing I've done is wrong and I'm not doing it again. Do you understand? So when it comes to your salvation, please, it's not something that has to be managed. You don't manage Christianity. Do you understand? You start afresh. If your foundation is not okay, what do you do? You make a new turn. So, for a born-again Christian, there is a new work foundation, there is a new principle, there is a new foundation, and most importantly, there is a new aim. Do you understand? If you give your life to Christ, everything about you becomes anew. Your foundation, your principle, your affection, your direction, those things that you look up to, it has to work, change completely. Do we have any question? Do we have any question? So everything I've been saying is clear. If I ask my own question, you can answer. Eh? You can answer. Okay, let me ask. When they talk about bets, what is bets? What is bets? Yes, clap for her. Only she's in my class. I say it. 